Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Live outside of PNC Park on Federal Street, it is the Pirates Preview Show brought to you by NASCO Roofing. Craig Riley alongside Jack Sorensic as we get you ready for Game 5. The 1-3 Pirates take on the 1-4 Reds. What's on tap is brought to you by Coors Light and Mike and Tony's in Moon and Bridgeville. During today's show, we'll get you today's lineup, the pitching matchup, and look around the league as we get you ready for 7.05 first pitch between Jordan Lyles making his Pirates debut and Tyler Maley of the Reds. One of the main storylines heading into today's game is the lineup you're going to see tonight. Tonight's starting lineup is brought to you by the Rogers Insurance Group. The power of relationships is how we do business. We'll take a look at the Pirates side of things first and explain to you why it looks the way that it does. Adam Frazier, Starling Marte, Francisco Cervelli, your one, two, three. Josh Bell in the cleanup spot. Jung-Ho Gung back hitting fifth after his home run last night. Melky Cabrera back in the lineup. J.B. Shuck, Kevin Newman at short, and like we said, Jordan Lyles on the mound. One of the reasons why Shuck back in the lineup tonight is because of what we learned prior to today's game. But J.B. Shuck being in the lineup tonight is our stock up, stock down report brought to you by Fergasso Financial Advisors. We guide for life. Shuck, like we said, in the lineup for the second straight night. And that is because Corey Dickerson's injury. Yesterday we heard he was available to pinch it, as he did, was listed as day-to-day with shoulder soreness. Well, that was yesterday's report. Today's report, a little bit different. And today's injury report brought to you by WMC Western PA Physicians in Robinson and Imperial. Corey Dickerson has a posterior right shoulder strain. He can still hit, and they'll work on that while he's on the IL, but he won't throw because of that shoulder issue. Jack, we talked yesterday about depth, overcoming issues, and what this team has in terms of it. It's going to be tested again tonight now because... You had the year starting with Gregory Polanco, knowing he wasn't going to be around, so you bring in Lonnie Chisenhall. Lonnie Chisenhall gets hurt. You turn to Melky Cabrera. Now you lose your other corner outfielder. It's a tough start to the year for this team. Yeah, a lot of guys go through this. A lot of teams go through this. But I think you're looking at this lineup tonight, and you say to yourself, you know, you didn't expect on a daily basis to see Cabrera, Shuck, or, or Newman. So you've got three guys right now. You know, and this is the first time we're going to get a look at Newman. And then you have a pitcher that's making his debut with this ball club. I mean, he's a, he's been around, so he's not a he's not a rookie. He's, he's a veteran guy. But you know, it's interesting. You have to have depth. I mean, as you go through the course of a season, every single club in baseball is going to get hampered from here or there. You know, with some type of injury. You hope it doesn't happen to any of your you know your big guys, but it will occasionally. And then you're already out Polanco. You know, who you had a lot of hopes on for uh, quite a few years now. So. Uh, you just have to adjust. There's not much you can do about it. You've got to play through it, and you're hoping to get the best. As I said to you yesterday, as much as you'd like to have your start, your best players in a lineup, you're better with healthy players in a lineup than you are with guys that are not healthy. And, and in Dickerson's case, you've you got to make sure that he's healthy because you can't have a setback here where you're looking up and all of a sudden he's going to miss two weeks or three weeks or a month, you know, because you're pushing an injury that, that, that maybe that could get, could get serious. 
Well, Dickerson talked about that exact thing, about how they're dealing with this injury and why he's taking the time off right now. So let's hear from Corey Dickerson himself as he addresses going on the IL this early in the season. I think it's just the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's a lot of stuff we do, you know, hitting, throwing, uh, nothing specifically um, calls it. I think it's just a matter of a lot of stuff that we're doing, and uh, it's better to take care of now to be able to help the team for as you know, many months as I can at 100% then, you know, try to manipulate and uh, let it linger and not help the team as much as I want. So I'd rather knock it out right now. we got more off days coming up and, uh, you know, just try to get it to 100%. Is this something you've dealt with in the shoulder before? No, uh, it's posterior from the back. Uh, anytime I ever had problems before was bicep ten tendonitis in the front of my shoulder. Uh, just from swinging a lot and, and throwing, um, but no, I never, never experienced it before. In your mind, do you have any idea how much long you might be out? Whether it's longer term? No, not really. My strength is really good, um, and every, pretty much everything that I do strength-wise, um, you know, it's all about the little things that we're going to do in treatment, and uh, really work to just get it 100%. And um, I think they'll, they'll have a better feel of that in the next couple of days and um, take it step by step. Um, you know, uh, hopefully hopefully there's no setbacks and it's pretty quick and that's all I can ask for. What type of treatment have you been getting or do you think you'll get in the coming days here? Um, different stuff. they got all kind of new stuff now. Uh, laser treatment, uh, you know, heat, ice, massages, um, stem, uh, needling, stuff like that. Um, whatever they have to strengthen it, um, continue to strengthen it, and be good to go, and uh, hopefully be able to throw out a couple people when I come back. Todd said no throw, but can you keep hitting and everything during yeah. this time down? Yeah, can, can do full hitting at full full effort, no no problem at all. Um, but right now, the goal is, uh, you know, honestly, I want to be able to affect the game in every single facet, defensively, offensively. And you don't want to go out there and uh, you know detriment the team or hurt yourself or put yourself in a bad spot. Um, uh, always pride myself in playing hard and playing the right way. And sometimes you play through things, and sometimes you got to be smart and um, make sure you're 100% for this team, so we can, you know, hopefully, you know, do something special. Jack, we hear from Corey Dickerson there. One of the things that. I want to sort of ask you about is we heard him talk about it being early in the season, having a couple of off days and that going into the thought process of going on the IL. So does that imply that later in the year, guys, I mean, I'm sure they look at injuries differently then, right? Well, if you're hurt, you're hurt. There's no question whether it's now or whether it's later in the year, uh, because you could be in a situation in the middle of June where you have the same ailment and you just said, you know, I need, to, I need to be shut down, you know, because if I push this thing, then I won't be able to play for you in July and August maybe. So the fact that it's early, uh, it's just, it just is early. So, uh, you know, guys ramp up their activity and they're all getting readier now. You know, now they're going full speed. Season started. So, you know, a lot of these guys are still playing themselves into playing shape regardless of spring training. Weather's been very cold, you know, so those are the things that you battle early in the year. 
And that was something we talked about yesterday, wondering if a thing like shoulder soreness for a guy is the type of thing that could linger or not. And that was the exact word that Dickerson himself used. They don't want to let it get to the point where it lingers and impacts him throughout the season. So I actually like even missing your other corner outfielder, both of them, Polanco and Chisenhall. I like that they want to get out ahead of it and make it so that you have Corey Dickerson back at 100% sooner rather than later. Well, you have to be cautious with any injury. Um, there's a difference between an injury and, you know, not being 100%. You know, so, so when you're not 100%, you can play. Um, you might be 85% or 90 You might have tightness. You might have stiffness. Those things you can loosen up. You can get in a world. You can all those different things and get yourself ready to play a game on any given day. But if you're hurt, then that is different. And if this is the type of thing that... Obviously, the trainer said to him, if you push this, I'm sure they did, that, you know, we could have a major setback here, and you can't have that happen. Especially when you're dealing with the injuries to Polanco and Chisenhall already, and Hurdle even addressed that they don't, they had a talk with Lonnie Chisenhall, don't try and rush yourself back now because we have the need. We need you to get right, so you're right when the time comes. But that's something else I want to ask you about. From the GM perspective, you're five games in, and your backups at both corner outfield spots already. What position does that put Neil Huntington in now, trying to scramble and make moves maybe? There's not a lot you can do. I mean, you, you, you're not going to – I don't think you're going to go out and make any kind of trades. You know, you didn't do uh, an enormous amount in the offseason to, you know, acquire players. You were satisfied with what you had in terms of, of your pitching and in terms of your position players. You made a few moves here. They brought Chisholm in. They brought Gonzalez in. Um, so, and then you brought Liriano back, you know, so there are things that you did, Jordan Lyles as well, so you, you have changed your club somewhat, but this time of the year, there aren't a lot of people out there that are going to be willing to move somebody, and if you're going to move somebody, you know, guys are still trying to figure out what your ball clubs are, it's off the early, you just have to, you just have to battle through it, you have to go what, what you have, I mean, the one other option is you can go to AAA and bring somebody from up down, from AAA, and I don't know who that would be. Do you have veteran guys in AAA? Oftentimes, you will sign a guy that maybe was a big league player, has a career, you know, maybe five, six years in the big leagues, but he still wants to hang on, but he didn't, he didn't make your club. J.B. Shuck would be a good example, probably not on this club, probably be in AAA. You know, that would be a veteran type of guy that you bring up to give you some of that, or you go with young guys, and the danger with going with young guys is they're young guys. They have no experience. Well, it's funny you mention that. That's our On the Farm Report brought to you by your Western PA Kubota dealers. One of the rumors being floated around right now is that Jason Martin, who came over in the Garrett Cole trade last year, was supposed to start the season tonight. Triple-A season opens tonight for the Indianapolis Indians. He's their center fielder. It's a big deal. One of the guys in their minors that had a really good year, a lot of hype about him. Not in today's lineup or tonight's lineup for them. Likely on his way here is what some people are saying now. So that would be interesting because, like you said, They thought they insulated themselves for their corner outfield injuries. Well, now they went to their first option already, J.B. Shuck. So they they had the veteran. Now it looks like they may be turning to a young guy already that they probably didn't expect to see here. You know, the challenge with young guys, we talked about this the last couple of years. I I remember two years ago or so when Clint was looking down his bench late in ballgames and his options were gift and go pay, Max Moroff, you know, and a number of other young, inexperienced players. Um you know, now you saw last night what happens to young guys when they get in high leverage situations. Sure, they can produce for you, and they may have talent. But, uh, you know, look at a, at a bat by Reyes last night. You know, he's, oh, he had 2-0, and they got on second base and ended up striking out. Um, 
because you're in a high leverage situation with veteran guys. You, know, you also had a scenario, uh, you know, where you had you brought in, and it could happen to any young guy, but you bring in a pitcher that has pitched pretty good for you, but he's got three games under his belt. If and you birdie, were, yeah. Birdie, and this was his third game, and as a result, it doesn't work. You know, it just, and that doesn't mean that he won't be successful, but you're going to go through growing pains anytime you play young players. And Reyes has got, as an example, has got a limited amount of games in the big leagues. You know, tonight you're going to see Newman, who had a September call-up last year. So, again, another young player. But, like I say, young guys, you know, their, their goal is just to stay in the big leagues. Veteran guys, like, a, like when you have them on your club, is to produce. You know, and the experience is such a major, major factor. But you have to play the hand that you're dealt, and that's what we're doing right now with this ball club. And that's what they had to do last night. You saw in the ninth inning, it was Shuck Gonzalez-Reyes in that key situation for them. And if you had asked the Pirates probably before the season, can you envision a scenario where those are your three guys? Probably not, because Reyes may not have even been here. And how often was Shuck going to be in the lineup when they had Chisenhall, they had Dickerson? But they're at those contingency plans already. And we've talked about those. We've talked about the defense. It's starting to feel like Groundhog's Day around here because we keep talking about those. It's bullpen, the defense, the injuries, the depth. Well, Clint Hurdle talked before the game and addressed all four of those. So it has to feel the same to him. So coming up next, we'll hear from Clint Hurdle. We'll talk more with Jack about playing shorthanded, dealing with the young guys, and how they overcome those deficiencies. That's all next on the Pirates Preview Show brought to you by NASCO Roofing. We're back outside on Federal Street of PNC Park for the NASCO Roofing Pirates Preview Show. Craig Riley alongside Jack Sorensic. And 93.7, the fan will be saluting youth baseball and softball players throughout the year. Keep listening for details on the community bank player of the game. Before we go any further, though, I had teased ahead to Clint Hurdle and talking about everything that we keep talking about, game in and game out of this very young season already. The same storylines keep rearing their head. Well, Clint Hurdle had to address all four of them, defense, bullpen, injuries, all of it. So I want to hear from Clint Hurdle right now, and he started off talking about losing leads late in the game. You know, you, you don't ever want to lose games that you've got a lead in, and you do. So, again, I go back to what I found works best for a team especially when the manager's talking about the team, the information that's going to get out there about the team, it still comes down to community. We've all got roles and responsibilities to follow up and, and to be responsible for. And we had leads. We didn't hold the leads off the mound. However, there was other opportunities to do things with the glove in some games, with the bat in both games to, to add on runs. And that's what we just, if you stay focused on what you're in control of, meeting the demands of the game, you hear me repeat it. Because it's true. And when you don't meet the demands of the game, especially when it become multiple times in one night, one game, you put yourself on the other side of the ledger. So I think you deal with the facts. Emotions are going to come up. And I think one thing is, you know, facts aren't feelings. Feelings aren't facts. Let's settle down. Is there something we can work on? Was there a mechanical glitch? You know, or was whether feeling a ball or throwing a ball, or was there something in a swing that wasn't playing? Or were we trying, again, outside of ourselves, being more physical than just playing the game? Those are things that uh, we kind of keep in mind when we talk about. Cover the pitching, just given the bullpen's usage over the first The bullpen's period. usage, and yeah, I mean, I don't anticipate. There's one guy I know we're going to stay away from today just based on volume of pitches last night, and we just want to make sure we've got enough. We've got Lyle's coming back. 
So we need to protect the pitch. We talked about this with Chisholm Hall. You guys were well situated with Melky and with JB. Does this further dim the depth? Do you have to, you have to look for another option? It takes away some depth, uh, subtracts some depth. Um, we will. Um, you know, one of the things that we've had in place that we're actually going to get out there today is we're going to get Colin Moran in the outfield. Just to look at, he's played some, played some in left field. He's been on the left side of the diamond. Um, but we still have Melky, we still have Reyes, we've got Shuck. Um, we want to cover our pitching right now, um, and we'll see where the next couple days take us. Clint, I remember you were saying one of your Rockies teams came into the season and had a bunch of injuries like right before the season started. What did you learn from that, and how does it kind of help you deal with what's going on now? Well, everybody plans for depth. You find out if you really plan for depth when you have thing, things happen or how real the depth is. So setting up the depth, creating the depth, or having the depth internally are all important things to have in place. Um, if we've got to go another outfielder deep, we have internal options. Um, and then you also can look from your creative lens on what you can do with your active major league roster to maybe get somebody else in play that's had past experience um, to facilitate some help in the area of need. And then just from, just from a manager's perspective, um, when you dealt with that before, how does that kind of inform just how you maybe talk to players about it or talk to guys who are getting those opportunities? Well, I've, I think we've been fortunate. Lonnie's worked through some of his own experiences. However, as soon as Dickerson, we found out he was dinged up, I went to Lonnie and said, look, you can't hit an HOV lane on, on your recovery and your rehab because another guy went down. We need you back when, when it's appropriate, when you're back to help the club. So I think it's just using your awareness and past experience on having those communications with the players because you don't take for granted what they might be thinking. And then I let them know our expectations for them haven't changed and they don't need to hit a different lane or throw it in a different gear and um, we need to honor what we need to honor with each individual for the overall best physicality of the club so that's I've been going around to a couple guys right now speaking to, to them about that exact situation. Moran and I think you mentioned Newman yesterday starting to do some outfield work are they at a point now where you want to run them out there in a game in anything other than maybe an emergency? Newman, maybe. He, he's done some work for two days. Moran, we just told this afternoon. So, um, and you know, that's the great thing about players. They'll tell you they're confident, ready to go play, and there might, there might be a, I might like to see a little something in the outfield before we go, but there may come a time when, uh, you know, we've seen some, We've seen a lot of left fielders in the nine years I've been here go out and play left field here. And it's one of the areas you think it's so big, you really need to have another center fielder. And we've seen a lot of guys that are definitely not other center fielders go out and play out there. So I think you want to honor it. You want to be respectful of it. You want to be respectful of your pitching staff as well. And then sometimes you just need to roll the dice and go and see what happens. I'll find out the real comfort about the time you go to him in the dugout and say, hey, you're going out there. Or after a couple plays or balls have been hit that way, and you see how their eyes are rolling when they get back in the dugout <laughs> afterwards. Clint, how do you feel about Musgrove and the two innings you got out of him in Cincinnati, and how much are you looking forward to seeing him start? Well, we feel really good about the two innings in, in Cincinnati. We had a plan A or plan B. He wanted to pitch, so we moved on plan A to get him out 
uh, the next day. Um, he attacked hitters. He used his pitches. Um, something he had done before had never done in a, in a pirate uniform, really. Um, so his experience in doing it, he said, this is something I can do. Um, really looking forward to this start. Uh, first time on the mound, first time back at home. Um, he's looking forward to it as well. Uh, we've gotten out of, the, out of the gates pretty clean with our starting pitching and look to get more of it. I know um, Ray had said something about how because he likes to be as much of an athlete as he does, not just a pitcher, that the, the nature of the injury he had with the ab was particularly tough to govern and monitor and make sure he wasn't trying to do too much too fast. Did you get the impression that he governed himself well enough in that regard? We do, and I, I think you learn through experience, and he's had some opportunities to work through some injuries. And I think he'd probably tell you that sometimes he was probably a little more aggressive than he needed to be in coming back. Um, you develop trust with the people that you spend more time with. And I think rehabbing last year, they, they, they built up a good relationship of trust with the medical staff. Um, so working through this time, I felt that it was very solid. It was done well. It was done professionally. He was spot on with everything in the communication. And I, and I think we, as a group, put everything we had into it, and I think Joe was very receptive and, and honored it and took care of what he needed to take care of to get back physically fit. Back here on the NASCO Roofing Pirates preview show, we're going to get to in our pitching matchup, talk about what Clint Hurdle said about protecting their pitchers, but one thing I want to talk about first is something Jack and I have hit on, and it's talking about the young guys and dealing with depth, and Clint Hurdle mentioned it there, Colin Moran today just today started taking work at left field and they had Kevin Newman start yesterday so these are young guys like you said that you don't know what you're going to get from them and now you're putting more on their plate to begin with that that's going to be tough I think well yeah and Moran isn't a young guy I mean he's what 26 going to be 27 you know so um yeah again you get down to necessity is what it gets down to or you get to you put yourself in a situation where you have to do something to fill a void. I mean, we saw it with the Cardinals, you know, when they had ended up running uh, Javier Molina at third base. Yep. You know, Javier Molina. But the, the scenario will be, I don't, I don't think he would play out there unless they just had a scenario where you're just looking for a body to play a position. I mean, he, he doesn't run well. Although I will say this, I mean, I can't imagine him being a left fielder for any length of time just because of his lack of foot speed and, and inexperience and range and all that would show up. But there have been left fielders, you know, Greg Luzinski comes to mind, you know, guys that, that are going to hit 40 home runs, you know, that can be your left fielder. That's not what Colin Moran is. But, again, what you're doing is you're looking for options so that late in the ball game or on a given day when someone else comes up lame, you've got to have somebody playing different positions. So they're going to give these two guys at least a look. And you'd mentioned it, and a question I had was, the range for Moran at third base, is it just maybe a reaction time that he doesn't get to balls there, or is it he doesn't have the range? And then putting him in left field at PNC Park, which you always hear them talk about, you pretty much need two center fielders. Colin Moran doesn't strike me much as a center fielder. A left fielder. Or, no, but I'm saying a second center fielder. No, I, let I, alone I, a left nor fielder. Nor do I think he will be <laughs> either. You know, like I said, I think this is just a situation where you're going to be where it's just uh, a necessity. You know, I don't think they're going to run him out there unless they just on a given day for whatever reason, they just have to give somebody a break or they have an injury or it's late in the ball game or it's a double switch or something like that where you're looking for somebody to go out there. 
And then with Newman, he's getting his first shot at shortstop this year. So that's where I just sort of worried about, are you putting too much on a guy that you look to that could have been your starting shortstop this year, and now you may ask him to play in the outfield. Are there certain guys that are just sometimes better equipped to deal with that? And maybe that's what they look at with Newman. Like, we don't think this is too much for you. Again, I think it just goes down to necessity. Okay. You know, right now, look, look at your lineup. You've got Shaku who didn't expect to be on a club. You've got Corbera, who, you know, was a non-roster invite. Uh, in, in Newman's case, you know, the, one of the really tough things for young players is not to play. Because you have to think, all the way coming through, you're playing an eight ball, double, all through college, all high school, whatever it is, and you're getting AAA and you put up good numbers, and now you get to the big leagues and you don't play. And you're sitting on a bench. And then when you get your chance every third game or every fourth game or pinch run or pinch hit or something like that, man, you're not playing. That is really, really challenging for young guys. And, you know, I mean, think this is a scenario with Newman, but I think the reason they're running Newman in the outfield right now, and again, I'm not privy to any other information, but <clears throat> it's just going to be a necessity. You know, this, he, he runs well. He's a pretty good athlete. And we have to figure out at this point in time when we have the injuries that we have, we're going to need somebody to go somewhere during part, different parts of ball games. And maybe on a given day, someone's going to start. But I think more than anything else, unless he's played it somewhere in the past, and I haven't heard anybody say that he has. I think it's just a look-see. And that's what I think is a scary thing from my perspective watching this team is that you're already having to use the word necessity. We're five, going into five games in, and we're at the necessity point because of these injuries. They just keep compiling. They can't afford to really lose another guy at this point. No, and a lot of, there's a lot of clubs that can't afford to lose a player. I mean, but you're going to have it happen to you, and – you just hope that it doesn't happen to you in bunches. You know, you hope if you have an injury here, you can sustain it. You have a guy go down here for a day or two or three, you can sustain it. But when you have guys that go on the DL, now when you start looking at your 25-man roster, and then you start looking at now you're playing with your 20 in it. Let's put Polanco on there. Let's put Chisholm on there. So now you're into your 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st player. You know, in a pecking order, that's challenging, you know, and, and even that, that's one of the things about double switches that no one talks about. When you're making double switches, you realize you have your eight players in your lineup, okay? When you're making double switches, you're taking a starter out. And if you have two or three during the course of a ball game, you could end a ball game with three of your bench players on the field. Uh, not as good as the previous eight guys that you had in the lineup. But you have to do it because you have to give yourself the best odds to win. Now what happens when you add injuries to this whole thing, like I said, now you're down to player 27, 28, 29, 30. It depends on how many injuries you have to how deep you have to go. So what does that do? If you don't have the depth or you have young players or you have inexperienced players, it's going to be challenging. We're going to get to today's pitching matchup and look a little bit more at this game. But first, I want to take a look around the league brought to you by Fox Chapel Advanced Dental Care. And, Jack, I want to set this up for you from last night's Astros-Rangers game. It was the top of the second inning very early in the game. The home plate umpire was Ron Culpa. He called a strike on a ball that was low. By everybody's standards, it was a ball. A Mike in the Astros dugout picked up their reactions. A lot of guys came to the top of the steps. Worst thing you really heard was a no way. Was They were screaming at him. There was an interaction then between Culpa's, he gestures towards the Astros' dugout in reaction to them. Astros manager A.J. Hinch actually comes out trying to calm things down, not in a confrontational way at all, which was interesting to me. Hinch returns to the dugout, looks like it's settled. 
But before the next pitch was even thrown, Culpa, the home plate umpire, staring back into the dugout. Well, this gets a little bit of a bigger reaction from Hinch, who comes out, gets ejected this time. Culpa, you can then see him. He tells Hinch he can do anything he wants is what he tells him. I can do anything I want. I'm sure you have plenty of experiences with umpires at the major league level, there are people calling for discipline for Culpa, which I don't think we see very often. Can you recall scenarios where a situation like this played out and an umpire was disciplined? I'd have to think through that. Um, you know, the scenario here to kind of evaluate this situation, you'd have to you'd have to know the history. Is mm -hmm. there a history between the Astros and Culpa? That's number one. Um, number two, the mic may have not picked it up because the mic may have been at one end of the dugout, but someone could have said something halfway to the other end of the dugout that was pretty vicious. We, sure. don't, we don't know. I'm not You're defending right. Copa, but I don't know. That didn't get picked up, but all Copa here is it coming from the dugout. So now he goes over, and he's kind of whatever might have been said. He doesn't know who said it, but now A.J. Hinch comes out. What's A.J.'s job? To diffuse it. You know, hey, let's settle down. Mm -hmm. And A.J. may have heard it, you know, if something was said derog real derogatory. So he comes out. Copa doesn't know who to throw out of the game because he doesn't know who said it. <laughs> So, therefore, Hinch tries to calm the waters. But then in A.J.'s sense, too, you know, okay, it's over. You know, you're the umpire. You're in charge. I'm going back to the dugout. And now you're still staring at us. Well, then now all of a sudden Hinch's blood starts to boil. And that's what Hinch said. He said, right. look out there. Don't right. look at us. Look right. out there. And that's the one thing. If you're looking for trouble, you can find trouble. And if you start staring in dugouts, Somebody's going to say something. That's just the way it is. You're you got, you got 25 you like. people and coaches sitting in that dugout. Someone's going to say something like, get your nose back. You know, okay, I don't know the scenario, you know, and this is all just speculation. But you can see where, you know, who's right, who's wrong. I don't know, but you can see where it could easily be both guys' blood's boiling and you're sitting on the edge, and next thing you know, somebody gets thrown out of a ball game. So um, what the one thing a major league, manor has to, major league manager does is he tries to protect his team, even if they're dead wrong. His job is to protect them. He may grab a player later on afterwards and say, what were you thinking about? You know, come on now. You're going to get us all. We can't get guys thrown out of the ball game. You're too valuable to us. I don't know. Again, this is purely speculation. Yeah. But that's the thing with me. That this is where we get the phrase ump show. You hear it a lot now, that people get upset with the umpires. Like they try to make it about them at times. And this is... Whether that's true or not, whether an umpire ever tries to do that, it's instances like this that do fuel that fire, though, where fans see it and say, I'm not here to see Ron Culpa behind the plate. I want to see the Astros. I want to see the Astros-Rangers game. Well, they always say, you know, the, the best umpires are the ones you never know was there mm -hmm. because there's no controversy. You know, the guy got through the ball game. Nobody knew he was there. But it's a lot better than it was. I mean, you can go back 15, 20 years ago when they had – that big blow up with the umpires and you had guys who lose their jobs and get mm -hmm. fired, et cetera. I mean, it was a huge turnover. They were trying to bring it back under control because strike zones were out of, out of, were crazy, you know, and umpires were doing it their own way. And, but now it's a lot, a lot more uniform. Well, one other thing looking around the league, I want to talk to you about is we saw Adam Jones now with the diamondbacks had a fan, they were playing at Petco park, had the fan ejected for vulgar language. Did you ever have players, that told you they were dealing with that maybe after a game or ever come to you and ask how to handle that situation? Because Adam Jones absolutely took it upon himself to just handle it. And I don't think I have a problem with that. No, I think he did the right thing. You know, I mean, you could have some very vicious things said to you, and a lot of players just ignore it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if it gets to the point where it's affecting you as a player and, and you know that this guy, this fan has crossed the line, hey, 
Get them out of the ballpark. Because the other point of it is, if it's affecting Adam Jones, it's probably affected a whole bunch of fans sitting in that section. Mm-hmm. And I've been at ballparks before where, you know, you, I mean, I wish they would take guys out of the ballpark. Yeah. Get this guy out of here, you know. And, I, and I, saw, I saw an instance years ago which really, really was disappointing. Um, someone went down an aisle down to, where the manager from another ball club, and I, I was scouting many, many years ago, was behind a third base, first base dugout. Some fan ran down because he didn't like the opposing manager, took a, a glass of beer or, or a cup of beer and threw it on the wife of that manager and then ran right back up the steps. Now, they caught him. But, you know, that stuff like this happens. You know, you remember a few years ago when the fan ran out of the stands, I think it was in Chicago or Kansas City, where he ran a tackle the first base coach. Yeah, you know, right on the first baseline. Right on the first baseline. You know, so fans can get out of hand. And, you know, you get in minor league ball games sometimes and they're trying to draw, trying to have attendance, and you have this thirsty Thursday. Oh, yeah. You know, and all of a sudden, you know, you wish half the ballpark would be, you know, taken out. So I don't blame Adam Jones one bit. If somebody crossed the line, not only was, did he do it for his protection, but he also did it for probably some fans around him that were offended as well. So if that was a player on one of your teams, that's standard. Like, go ahead. If you feel like that's the right thing to do, it's within your rights to go ahead and say something and fix this. Yeah, I've never had it happen, you know, but there are times I think that, that I know that you have security, Major League Baseball security, and every club has um, – a security agent that's connected with Major League Baseball because these players get threats, they get letters, they know the hotel rooms, you know, you'd be surprised at things that yeah. some crazy people will do. There's some people that just do it for the fun of it. And as a result, it can be very dangerous. So you have your, your resident agent, they call it, and he's a police officer of some sort and uh, or has that background, and immediately they'll get on it. You know, I mean, they will jump on it, you know, and, and all you have to do is go to them and say, we've got a problem. Somebody's threatening our player or someone's sending letters to, you know, we need to find out who this is because you have to protect the product, you know, there's no question. Well, that's enough around the league. So a couple of interesting stories, though, that I wanted to bring up to you. Up next on the Pirates Preview Show brought to you by NASCO Roofing, we're going to take a look at today's pitching matchup between two guys who aren't exactly high in their team's rotations, and we'll see what they can get out of them tonight here on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. The NASCO Roofing Pirates preview show here on Federal Street outside PNC Park. Craig Riley and Jack Sorensic getting you ready for tonight's 7.05 first pitch between Jordan Miles <laughs> and Tyler Molly, who I believe I've been pronouncing wrong. Mally. Mally. They even wrote it in the thing. Mally like Riley and Jack. I can't get this one out of my head. You got it. You, I got it. I, look, hey, Mally. like I said, pitch really well, and we'll remember. Yeah, his we name won't forever. forget his name then. So that, that's right. that's his task for tonight. What's Sandy Kovacs' name? You, exactly, you right? Remember that name, Bob Gibson. <laughs> Today's weather report is brought to you by Weather Seal Home Services. Just one dollar down can get you new windows. It's not bad out right now. I'll call it not bad, but there is some rain in the forecast. We're hoping it doesn't impact tonight's game. But what we told you we were going to talk about here tonight's pitching matchup. Brought to you by Flynn's Auto Service, your hometown tire and auto service experts. Mally for the Reds, just 24 years old in his third major league season, Jack. Started the year, we had talked when they played the Reds earlier this year about they threw a bunch of young guys in there in the rotation to see who would stick. He was one of those guys. They sent him down at one point last year, came up, finished the year with some shoulder fatigue, but... Some interesting things about him. Lefties hit 300 off him and hit 15 home runs. 
which sort of makes me wonder, no Colin Moran in the lineup, which was a guy we saw previously in this homestand get out there because of the matchup. He's four for five, and that's something Mally struggles against. But I also want to, since we talk about this all the time, who else is hot against him, the type of guys in the Pirates lineup for your picks to perform? Which you let me take Adam Frazier. You let me pick first last Abs- night. No, and not- I took Adam Frazier, and it worked out pretty well for me. Because you're the man, that's why. Unfortunately, Corey Dickerson hitting 286, as we talked about earlier. Corey Dickerson on the 10-day IL, not playing tonight. Starling Marte, though, 512 at-bats Woo! against him. That's not too small of a sample size, right? 12 at-bats? Small sample size. Still small? Go ahead. Well, Moran, I said, does pretty well against him, hitting 800. Oof. But that's only five at-bats. So go. if you're saying there 12 you small, five yeah, isn't, you know. isn't great either. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Who who are you picking? We'll get to that. I'm giving you some stats so you can start figuring out who you want. I already know my guy. You do? Well, then you can pick first since you know your guy once we get to it. Ready? No, no, no. We'll get to it. Tease him. I want to tease to him. Okay. I want to tease you. You don't know. (laughs) I'm teasing you. You don't know I'm taking. On the other side of things, for the Pirates, Jordan Lyles making his Pirates debut 4-1 with a 4.53 ERA in 14 career games against Cincinnati. Lyles had 16 innings this spring and then most recently threw 92 pitches in six innings of a minor league game down in Bradenton on the 29th. And this is one of the things we heard Clint Hurdle talk about, that they want to protect their pitching tonight. Well, part of this pitching matchup, you got to look at the bullpen. Keone Kella not available tonight. And Clint Hurdle said when we met with him that there were a couple other guys that they were going to talk to based off their usage, see how they were after they threw before the game today. So you have Lyles, a guy who started the year on the IL, and you don't know what you're going to get from him, and now you are absolutely without Kella tonight. You could be without a couple other guys. How concerning is that for you? Well, you just have to get through it. You know, I don't know. Cincinnati may be very in the same scenario, too. You know, I don't know how they've done the last few days. I know they haven't won, but, you know, you got to go through this. You know, early in the year, you're going to try to protect guys, but you got to win ball games the best you can. So well, it would be interesting to see how, how he does use it, but... You know, the fact that he told you Keller wasn't available and a couple other guys may not be, my guess is that if they are available, whoever they are, then they would be limited in terms of how he would use them. Well, one guy that is available, we found out last night from Clint Hurdle, Felipe Vasquez was only available in a close, or in a safe situation last night, which after the ninth inning, we, I think we talked about this on the post game about when would you use the guy? Because typically if you're the home team, you get to that situation, you're going to use the guy by then because there's not a save situation. Well, he's back available tonight, so it'll be nice to see what he can bring to the table. As two of my favorite people, Chris Smaller and Andrew well, Filippone, walk what past the Are they podcast. headed to the prom or something? They you got see their earrings Jack, I don't know if Jack What's realizes this? this. Jack, they lost a bet to me. These what guys are wearing that? dangly earrings nice. because of Sharp. a bet they lost to look me. At this. They look good, right? They do. Really, really good. This is what happens Absolutely. when you lose bets to me, so don't make any, No, Jack. no, no. You guys, you got where you guys going? <laughs> They're at the game tonight. They're taking some fans oh, to the game. The PM team taking fans nice, to the game throughout the season. Very nice. Okay. They, they came look, over from the uh, from Cambria the Suites. Cambria Suites. I, that's where I thought they would be. How about this? Our, our afternoon host, both mm-hmm. of them, right? Pony and Mahler. Yep. They're sitting here with earrings. They walked in here. They look and, great. And, and I'll tell you, Mahler is he's, he's pretty fancy there now. He's like a Christmas tree hanging from his ear. Hey, they call and, him the and, PM and Pony, team. Pony got one in each year. That looks sharp. They call know? him the PM team, which today stands for Pretty Men, because that's how ah, I think they are. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> but to get back to tonight's And game. they're proud of it, too. Buddy. Oh, they are. They're walking oh, away already. There you go. There they go. <laughs> <laughs> and they're dressed up, too, by the way. They wore their best attire here, which was very nice to see. 
Well, Jack, one of the things that I always like to go to is the baseball prospectus. And to get information on guys like Jordan Lyles, I didn't know a ton about him coming into the year, so I go to it. One of the things that I like that they have is comparable players. So the comparable players for Jordan Lyles, you're coming to the game tonight, you want to know what you're going to see in him. Two guys you can reference you've seen here before, they list Paul Mahalam and Yvonne Nova, comparable type players to Jordan Lyles. Not the worst. I mean, those are yeah. guys that have had no, some no, success. Yeah, Nova had a, Nova's in the middle of a, of a really nice major league career. Well, our tip of the hat to Nova, guy that's getting compared to tonight's starter, brought to you by Dad's Hat PA Rye Whiskey, farm to bottle, rye the right way. All right, Jack, you teased me with it. Tonight's picks to perform brought to you by Oxford Athletic Club of Wexford, Pittsburgh's premier athletic resort. You let me go first last night, and Adam Frazier came through I'm going to let you go first again. You're going to let me go first again? Well, Starling Marte, 12 at-bats, hitting 500 against tonight's starter. I'm taking Starling Marte. You took him last night, I think. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I am taking Melky Cabrera. Okay. Melky Cabrera, I don't know if he has – I don't think he's ever it faced him before. It doesn't matter. I like the veteran guy. Well, we're getting you ready to – we're getting ready to send you to tonight's Pirates Radio Network broadcast between the Pirates and Reds, the 1-3 and three Pirates versus the 1-4 and four Reds, two bottom dwellers of the NL Central looking to change the narrative on the season. I'm sure they'll be talking plenty more about the injuries and what to expect from tonight's game as we get you ready for it here on The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.